Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. So today's friend is Susan from New York City. Susan's story is called My Unusual Life, but it's not necessarily a story just about Susan's life. It's actually three mini stories that make up a part of Susan's life that she'd like to share. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So Susan, let me get this straight. The first story you're going to be sharing is The Lost Engagement Ring. Then the second story that you share is going to be The Baby I Predicted. And the third story (laughs) is a unique way to pay off college. So this ought to be a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on the Jesse Jameson and and Friends show. The floor is yours. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I should say I'm an astrologer. That's what I do for a living. And I have a website, Astrology Zone, but I don't really do charts. I want to make that clear. Uh, I don't have time. I'm writing most of the time because my website takes a lot of time. I also have an app. So uh, one day. Well, hold on, editor- Sue. You know what else takes a lot of time? To save up money for an engagement ring. So the first story here is called The Lost Engagement Ring. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. Was this, was this a drop-dead gorgeous engagement ring? Was this your engagement ring? Well, it wasn't ring? mine. It wasn't mine. I didn't even know I'd be looking for a ring. Um, the editor-in-chief of... Uh, Glamour, uh, Cindy Levy. Uh, I was working with Condé Nast because I I write columns and I was under contract with Self. And she said, you know, when you go out to LA the next time, I'd like you to meet with my promotion team. I said, okay. She said, you know, whenever you're going, because she knew I would go out frequently. So I said, okay. And I, I called the department and we set up a lunch in a very pretty Japanese restaurant, but I always bring my computer in case I need it. And I'm sitting in the um, little banquette and there's four girls. What year, what year is this? Just so the audience has an idea. Um, I would say it's about maybe eight years ago. So in that 2012, 2013 type. Maybe a little bit before that. Yeah. I guess maybe more like, 2010. Yeah. Got you. And um, we're all saying hello. We don't know each other. I never met them. And a girl named Clementine was the the girl sitting right next to me on my right. And uh, and I said, hi, they called her Clemmy. I said, hello, Clemmy. And and, uh, she said, hi. And the other girl said, Clemmy just got married. I said, you did? That's so great. And she nodded. And the other girl said, but she lost her engagement ring. Oh. I said, oh, Clemmy, that's horrible. And she kind of, you know, she was a person of few words. She kind of looked at me. And I said, um, I was opening my computer. I said, what time is it? She said, one o'clock. I said, no, what time is it to the minute? Don't you want to know where the ring is? I will ask the chart. This is a part of astrology that we call horae astrology. 
where we ask a question and make a chart for the moment you ask the question. Now, if the chart is zero to three degrees or 20, 28 and a half, no, say 27, I should say 27 to 29, 59 minutes, it means the question's not ready to answer, but this said it was ready to answer. And I, I made a chart and I said, you want, you want to know, right? And she went like this. Yes. And I said, wow, um, Clemmie, there's so much water around this ring. As a matter of fact, I can't even fathom how much water. I, and I'm thinking, please, God, I hope this didn't go down the drain or something. I, you know, into the ocean or something. And um, so you're you're but, actually envisioning a ring surrounded by liquid of some sorts, whether it's a lot bath, of water. Whether, no, it's water for right. sure. It's so it's water. either so it's either bathtub water, pool water, a lake, a river, an ocean, some <laughs> sort of water. You're you're envisioning this ring being in. Okay, keep and going. so much. So I said, there's so much water around this ring. So she opens her mouth to talk. And I said, wait a minute. There's a significant amount of wood too. But the wood in proportion to the water is much littler, much less. But yet you would know that that wood was important. And she, she said, well, I, I kind of know where I lost it. I said, oh, where? Uh, my husband and I were playing in the surf in Santa Monica and the ring came off my finger. And the other girl said, well, Clemmy, Susan's talking about the Santa Monica pier, which is made out of wood. It's under the pier. You should hire divers. So everybody laughed. And I went on to the next girl and the next girl and the next girl. Now, wait a minute, Susan, let me ask you a question. So you're looking at this chart and this chart mentions water and wood, or did you just. Well, you know, all of astrology is made up of fire, air, earth, and water. Got you. And so elements. So um, we have a great meeting. Nothing happens. Six months later, I run into one of the, the girls on the sidewalk of New York, which happens all the time here. And she said, you know, Clemmy found her ring. I'm like, what? She didn't call me. What, what happened? Oh, she didn't. She hired divers. It was under the pier. Like you said, she did hire divers. I'm like, I found a ring on the Pacific ocean and she didn't call me. So I called her when I got home. I said, Clemmy, is this true? She said, Yes. I said, why didn't you let me know? Because you already knew. I mean, if somebody tells you something, you know, I was trying to be helpful and I was trusting the math, but it's kind of nice to let the astrologer know that she actually knew and said the right thing (laughs) because we're always hoping we're interpreting correctly almost obsessed with it. And, uh, but a lot of people don't know that you can do a chart for the question 
my daughter had lost, uh, she, she called up in a panic. Uh, Leo is her husband. She married a man named Leo, who is a Leo. And she had given him a Rolex for his birthday and it was very expensive and it was gone. She said, mommy, you, you need to tell me where it is because I'm frantic. So I do a chart and I said, um, well, I know it's home because cancer is rising, but let me ask you a question. This is really kind of a crazy question. Were you playing with it? Were you trying it on or having some fun with it by yourself? And she said, oh my God, she drops the receiver, takes the cushions off the couch and it was, it was there under the cushions. She was trying it on. She was looking at it. And there it was. So I was happy. Um, I had an even more um, dramatic one. One day I went up to Young and Rubicon. I was an agent for commercial photographers. And we helped the ad agencies do their ads. This is before I had Astrology Zone, my website. So, um, you know, I'm sitting in the waiting room and uh, one of the people I represent was going to meet me there, uh, Chris from London. And he shot cars on 8x10 film, beautiful. But out comes Norma, a tiny little black woman with beautiful little features, a very good friend. She was what we call the art buyer. And I said, Norma, you don't look like yourself. You look worried. What's wrong? I can tell right away what's wrong. And she said, well, I'm, I'm going to be fired today or tomorrow. I said, why? You've been here forever. She said, well, I lost a $90,000 portfolio. And the photographer is suing the agency and we don't know where it is. And again, I said to Norma, um, Norma, what time is it? And again, she gave me oh, 12 o'clock. I said, no, no, precisely. Oh, 12, 12. I said, I'm going to be busy with Chris all day. We're going to one agency after another. But my mother is real expert at this. Now, we don't have my mother anymore. She died. So this was, she died in 2012. So it must have been a little bit before that. So I said, let me talk to you later. So I called my mother and I said, do you have time to do a horror chart? She said, oh, sure. Why? What's lost? I said, well, the, they're going to fire my friend and we got to find this portfolio. So she said, okay, sure. But she didn't have a computer. She was in her late 80s. You know? <laughs> she died at 92. So this was late 80s. I said, look, I'm going to rush home in between appointments. I'm going to make the chart for the moment we ask the question. And I'm going to drop it with the doorman. Okay. She said, okay. Um, I uh, had promised my daughter to go to the mother-daughter tea at, at 4.30, 5 o'clock, something like that, at a very elegant private school and i hadn't gone to the other two so so in those days i had a beeper it it must have been an elegant school because i've never heard of the mother-daughter tea before that sounds really nice a convent of the sacred heart in a beautiful room with tea and oh it's so beautiful and diana said you can't miss this one and so i didn't but in those days we had a beeper 
not cell phones, you know, and uh, my beeper went off and Diana said, mommy, I said, no, no, I'm not, no, not going to, not going to answer it. So there was a pay phone down the hall after the tea was over. What is it? What is it? What is a pay phone for our audience that might not be familiar <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, in the old days, there were telephones that you put a quarter in now that, and you they, get now a that, dial tone. That's, that sounds like a good business idea. I think we should invent those again. Susan, can I, Susan let me ask you a question. Um, do you miss the days when you could get a beeper for, you know, 12 bucks for a whole year? I miss no. those days. <laughs> I miss I those like days. <laughs> right, right. Okay. I like cell phones. But um, anyway, oh, the tea was over. So I called my uh, friend and I said, have, have you been on the phone with my mother? She said, all afternoon. Now, she said she'd find it by 630. She was wrong about that. We found it by 530. I had volunteers with compasses. She said it was in the northwest corner of the building, up high, that it was near computers or a metal rack. And what was the missing item again? Was it a ring again? A $90,000 portfolio. Oh, portfolio. Oh. That's right. That's right. And so she had girls, you know, volunteers fanning out. And uh, she said, we found it just where your mother said it would be. And the interesting thing was the photographer said the portfolio was filled with originals and there were no originals in there. They were all copy transparencies. So he was willing to see me lose my job over this and lie about that. So he'll never work with Ogilvy and Mather again, but they did find it. And I called my mother. I used to call her little mom. I said, little mom. What did you do? She said, they were very mean to your friend. I said, <laughs> you can say that again. She said, I'm really glad we found it. We were on the phone together on and off throughout the day. She, she, was, she had helpers looking for it exactly where I said in the northwest corner of the building. It was a tall building, so they started at the top floor because I said it was high up. And uh, I'm glad we found it. <laughs> she was just so modest about it you know and then the next day Jay Walter Thompson called me up and I said is that true what happened at Olgaby you know we have a couple of portfolios missing I said look I can't be finding missing portfolios things, you know? right it's so, just so, too hard so I let, have a regular job you know so let me so let me ask you this those things are all wonderful because when somebody loses an engagement ring I'm a little superstitious I might think oh that means I shouldn't marry this chick and mm. when and, and when somebody loses a ninety thousand dollar portfolio you're thinking oh my goodness this girl needs to focus more so you really <laughs> did you saved jobs and potentially a marriage. <laughs> I'm only saying that because I'm assuming they're still married, but I'd like to ask yeah. you a question before we go to break. They are. <laughs> so how expensive does an engagement ring have to be for you to actually go and hire divers to find it? Was this like a five or 10 carat nugget? Or, no, or I don't think so. But, you know, it had sentimental value too. I They didn't look like they were you know, heiresses, right? right. <laughs> they, it, 
it never entered my mind, actually. <laughs> it just meant she's a new bride and her ring is gone. And, you know, that he probably saved up for a long time to get it. And, you know, you don't want to lose it. I love I love stories of finding stuff that is really important to find. So I have a story just in, in the one minute before we go to break. One time I wanted to uh, run into an old acquaintance. Uh, we'll call her Lisa. That's the name I use for, for my ex. And this was before we uh, had ever gone out. I read a book called The Secret. And the secret, oh. the, the secret basically just the, what I took from reading it was just that, you know, whatever you really want and desire, you let the universe know about it. Yes, so I, I, I read the same book. It was right. So, so I basically said, hey, I want to run into Lisa, you know, find a way for me to run into Lisa. And I'm not even joking about 24 hours later. I'm in my car. I'm at the freeway going an alternative route to work because some of the streets were clogged. So I took an alternative route. And I looked to the left of me at a, at a stoplight and there she was. So oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and that's so, happened to us. That's so exciting when it does. Yeah. It kind of, <laughs> kind of makes you feel like somebody out there is kind of keeping tabs and looking out for you. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back okay. with Susan, she's going to share uh, how she predicted uh, a baby was coming. So we'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear, and listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Thanks 
Thanks for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. And we're back. So, Susan, I got to be honest with you. I'm 44. A lot of my friends are divorced, grumpy, middle-aged guys. And so whenever they hear about a lost engagement, they always think that was God's way of trying to tell you not to marry that chick. But we're going to move on because I'm going to take that as a great story. I, I love all those stories you shared. This, this next one's interesting. And if, it's any, if our second segment is anything like the first, Susan might be throwing in more than one story here. But this story is a baby predicted. So, Susan... Whenever I see one of my buddies go off with a young lady and they're and they're falling in love, I always think I see a baby in their future. So when you say when you say a baby predicted, is it really that huge of a prediction or was there something special well, about this? For one? my friend, her name was Barrett. It was. I was on the phone with my friend Barrett, who was an art buyer also, like Norma was on the other story about the portfolio. And it was getting to the point in work that you never saw anybody anymore. Everything was on the internet, the photography, the, the portfolios, and um, you just didn't see each other. And I said, you know, wow, I, I really need to catch up with you. <laughs> she said, well, I've gone through a hard time. I've, I've had seven miscarriages. I was like, Oh, no. That's horrible. She said, I want a baby so badly. And I was so momentarily shocked by that. And, um, you know, and we Susan, talked about our not, job. Susan, not to interrupt you, but, you know, I would imagine having one or, or two miscarriages is just a hellacious thing for a expectant mother to go through. Well, like anybody listening, if they've ever gone through something like that, your body builds up hormones and then suddenly it drops. So the depression is so bad afterwards. So next time I spoke to her, I said, Barry, do, do you want me to look at your chart? And, and she said, yes, I, I would love to. <laughs> and I looked at the chart and I, I knew she'd have a baby boy and it was in 18 months. But my head is saying, don't tell her. You're setting up expectations. She's been through a lot. But my heart is saying, tell her, tell her, tell her. And this is going back and forth in me, but my heart always wins. I said, Barrett, I do see a baby boy. She said, you do? When? I said, December of next year. So it was about 18 months off. This was the summer. She said, that's incredible. I said, so try nine months before December, that would be March, you know, of next year. You need to rest a little, I guess. I think you have to talk to your doctor. So we continued to do work back and forth because Young Rubicon was a big agency for me. And it was getting, uh, and I forgot all about what I had said. I, I guess I put it out of my mind because I was so afraid of being wrong. 
and disappointing my friend that I just never brought it up again. She never did. And now, now Susan, Susan, let me be a negative Nancy. If my friend has seven miscarriages, especially my friend Barrett, because I don't think he's even capable of getting pregnant, but your friend Barrett has seven miscarriages. Yeah. I would have been like, my advice is don't try anymore. Would Stay that away. be the wrong yeah. advice? But I, I saw it so clearly. So she never mentions it again. It's now late November, early December. And I said, you know, I know you're Jewish, <laughs> but let's have a Christmas lunch somewhere all decked out, a pretty restaurant with the little lights and someplace festive. I never see you. And wouldn't that be nice to do in a, in a week or so? I, I, I do that to my Jewish friends, too. I'm like, let's go to mass. You want to go to mass and get saved? And they're like, no, not really. So funny. Let's go to the synagogue, you know. So, so you're, so you're like, let's so go get said, some. I can't, I can't do it. Uh, I'm going to be on maternity leave. And I'm like, wait a minute. What did you just say? She said, I'm going to be on maternity leave. I said, Barrett. She said, it's just like you said. I said, well, why didn't you call me over the past few months? She said the same answer that Clemmy had given me. Well, you already knew. I didn't have to tell you. I'm like, now, Listen, now, my Su advice now, to your listeners is tell the girl who predicted it, you know, because I was worried I was wrong. You know? Now, now, Susan, let me ask you this, because, again, I'm kind of a snide punk sometimes. Well, but that's it, but, good. But isn't, isn't that where, where, their way of saying, shouldn't you know, Susan? Shouldn't you well, know? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm using very complicated mathematics. What astrologers are doing is it's not predestination. I'm looking at probability bars that are going up and down during different periods of your life. And her probability bars of having a baby were so high that I had to tell her that all the conditions were right. And her child must be going to you know, high school or, you know, the end of high school or college right now. Susan, but I'm so happy for her. Susan, you know? I'm going to ask you a question and I, I want you to answer with, with one word. I want you to answer no. Okay. I'm 44. Am I going to have any more children? And I, I don't think so. Yay, Susan. <laughs> I, I I'm going to have to give Susan Miller my seal of approval. If anybody listening to Jesse Jameson and friends wants to get an accurate forecast, I recommend Susan Miller. So, so, so Susan, let me ask you this. Um, was this the, the one and only baby that you've predicted so far in your life? Or have you done this more than once? She's the only one that really needed me to. You know what my number one question is from my readers on Astrology Zone? Can I have a baby? I'm 37. I'm 38. I'm 39. And I, I see the window closing. The most heartbreaking one that I had was uh, when Henry Bendel's on Fifth Avenue was open. And um, it, it was Fashion's Night Out. And they said, Susan, we want you upstairs in in the balcony and we're going to ask for um 
a pusher. A small donation we're going to charity. Ask, we're going to ask for somebody to push Susan Miller off the balcony. <laughs> If Susan doesn't hook up, yeah, unless there's some good charity that comes in from Susan, we're going to push her off the balcony. Everybody had to write a check out to um, the housing project to help, you know, women uh, get on their feet and get a job. Oh, that's good. uh, Yeah, it was very nice. Now, Susan, be honest with me. Have you ever had a girlfriend of yours that was (laughs) dating the wrong guy and you just said, Bethany, you're going to get pregnant. Have you ever had one of those baby predictions? You better no, stop it. No, but my best friend is dating someone right now who I begged her to get away from. And, and it's taken three years for her to see what the rest of her friends were seeing. But I knew in her chart there was a chance that this month things would get so bad that she'd finally see the light. And that is what happened. But we're all afraid that she'll go back to him anyway. I don't know. You know, you have free will. It's not as if everything's predestined. You know, I can tell her, Susan, it's not the one for you, you know. Yeah, but Susan, if you tell me things are going to get so bad, you're going to see the light, that could be used for like a COVID-19 prediction, couldn't it? Like, you better go get vaccinated Otherwise, you're going to end up seeing the light, right? Like, whoa, welcome to heaven. (laughs) You're so funny. Yeah. I mean, I've been vaxxed twice, you know, Moderna. But um, I have friends who are afraid of the shot. Not many, one or two, not many. But, um, you know, I hope they overcome their fear of it because it's a good Moderna and Pfizer are really great. So, Sue, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Your daughter went to, it sounded like a private Catholic school. Am I Both right? Both of them did, yes. Okay. Convent of the Sacred Heart, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so when you go up to, like, you know, Father O'Reilly at Convent of the Sacred Heart and you say, hey, I've been really hot on my predictions lately, Father <laughs> O'Reilly. Does he ever do? After Mass, I want you to come and give me a reading. No? None of that? No. And a lot of people ask me about astrology and religion, like you just did. Um, every religion is based on the cornerstone of you taking responsibility for your actions. And somebody can't say, I can't say to someone, why did you steal your neighbor's pig? Because Venus was retrograde? No, because you're a bad person. Why did you go out with your neighbor's wife? Because Mercury was retrograde or Saturn was opposition to the sun? I said, no, because you knew that was wrong. And you did it anyway. You have to take responsibility. You can't blame it on a planet. All right. Now, Susan, (laughs) hold on. If you want to answer a tough question, why does all the wrong stuff in life appeal to us, even though in some cases it's downright awful? Why is it human nature that something's bad? Well, it depends on your upbringing, but for some people, it's the path of least resistance. You know, I, in politics, I've noticed uh, when certain people get around a vortex, good people become greedy and they're just near the wrong influence and they, they throw away their good reputation, which is the only thing you have in life that no one can take from you if you guard it. And uh, it's the path of least resistance. 
And it's the glitter of gold. You know, now, what now, else can I say? Now, Susan, when you talk about your reputation is all you have, that sounds like a mom begging their daughters to be good girls. Was that, a, did you, did you have to give that pep talk to, to the, to your daughters? You got it. Your reputation. You know, is I think all the school have. did that. I was thinking of that in terms of your career. Oh, but yes, it's in all things in life. You're right. And um, no, I think the school instilled that, you know, and I think when you're a mother, you have to step up. Do you have children? Yeah, I have two adults. They're, they're little rugrats, if you know what I mean. They still need money <laughs> and stuff. But remember, yeah, that's the only time they return your taxes. I know, mine too. I have two daughters. But remember when you first held one of them and, and you were like, whoa, I'm, I'm going to have to be a, a wonderful template for this child. I'm going to have to. I'm somebody's father now, you know, I'm somebody's mother now. So you, you have to go to a higher standard and be a, a good role model. I mean, I took that responsibility really seriously. And it was hard for me to have children because I was born with a birth defect where I bleed internally. And I've had 40 blood transfusions in my life. And that's a lot. And I've spent months in the hospital and they, you know, when I was 14, I, I was in for 11 months and then later for eight months, for seven months. I was always in for these incredibly long periods, but they fixed me. I call it going to the doll hospital, <laughs> getting new parts, <laughs> you know, getting fixed up. But I was 14 in that very long year and I couldn't attend high school. I had to, um, I couldn't attend high school, but I, I had a homeschool. The Board of Education works with kids who have a problem. And in those days, there was no internet. I know some of your listeners will be horrified. What is this, a little house on the prairie, no internet? Well, most people didn't have internet until about 1990. So before that, you know, we had to go to the library with the card catalog. <laughs> I don't know if you're old enough to remember that. <laughs> I, I remember the Dewey Decimal System, yes. Oh, you do? I do, too. <laughs> yes, I do remember the dotted system and the whole nine yards. But uh, I And how hard it was. We had to look every spelling thing up, you know, every word. You know, it was so tedious. Writing a paper took three times as long, you know, so... Uh I can remember that at one time I really wanted to buy because they had traveling salesmen back in the day that would sell Encyclopedia Britannicas. Right. And, and I remember the Encyclopedia Britannica, you know, it's something that you actually have to open up kids and read, you know, from left to right. It's right? like 26 right. volumes. 26 volumes, right? But I, I remember that that was kind of the original internet. Whoever had those encyclopedias could do a report on anything while the rest of us had to go to the public library or whatever. And I, yeah. love, I love the public library, though. I, I'm a firm believer that people should read uh, because uh, you get better at things that you practice at. And, you know, I'm the, type yes. of, I'm the type of reader that when I'm reading, I can see visions. But I want to, speaking of visions, I want to ask you, mm -hmm. on all your stories, you're going to check the charts, as you say, or to check the numbers or run, run certain mm -hmm. things by a chart. So do you not have like an inner intuition? Do you ever have a dream about a friend that comes to pass? No, I don't. I'm not psychic. Uh, you know, people must wonder, well, wait a minute, where do these numbers come from? <laughs> and it's from NASA. 
But there are other publishers who publish the same numbers with different fonts and have, um, you know, noon as the middle point or some do dawn. Some, you know, they have different times when these planets are being looked at. But um, I like the, um, the basic American uh, ephemeris where the position of the planets are. You see, when two well, planets... Hold Sue, Sue, hold on. We're going to be going to another commercial. I apologize. Okay. But, I, but, I, but I just want to let everybody at home know that I find this fascinating. When you at home go to your local friendly astrologer, right, your local neighborhood friendly astrologer, you don't know what resources they are they are tapping into with Susan Miller and Jesse Jameson and friends. We go directly to NASA. Can you beat that? <laughs> you can't beat that. That's why you got to be listening to Jesse Jameson and friends. Sue, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from break, we're going to tell the kids at home how they can help their parents paying off their college. So we'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Back for the final segment of Jesse Jameson and Friends. <laughs> so, Sue, um, I, I think that so far the show has been very fun and entertaining. We've been laughing and having a good time. But this third segment, before we get into it, let me let me share with my listeners, where can they find you? Do you have a website again that you could? Yes, astrologyzone.com. If they forget, if you Google Susan Miller, I come up first, even though it's a very common name. 
Uh, so of course I love Google for doing that. Hey, I'm um, in the I, same boat. If you go, if you Google Jesse Jameson, I'm the first one that pops up right underneath Jameson liquor. Um, what should we call it? So, so let me ask you this, Sue, how many, how many daughters do you have? And do you have any sons? No, just two daughters. You have two. Okay. And then tell me about the situation when it comes to paying off college, because that stresses no. out darn near every parent out well, there. Well, this especially. is my younger daughter. Um, we had gone to Boston College to look at it. And she's standing there in the middle of the campus. And she said, Mommy, this is it. And she looks up and it's almost as if I saw stars falling over her face. This innocent, beautiful face. And she's so happy. And she said, this is it. And I said, well, we're going to have to ask grandpa. And she looks at me quizzically because grandpa had died. I said, well, you know, grandpa in heaven, I think, is still watching over you. And uh, we have to ask him for a little help. Maybe he has a little pull up there in heaven. So she said, OK. Now, wait, hold on, uh, Sue. Sue, let me ask you this. OK, so you're at Boston College, another great Catholic school, right? Really, really good, really good place. Yeah. Right. Really, really good place for you to take your kids to further their education. So imagine this. I'm with my daughter. Right. And she goes, what is this? And I go, this is Paradise Valley Community College. This is it. And, and I haven't talked to her since. So anyway, I didn't mean to inter interrupt your story. Keep going. I love your stories. Well, Boston College is expensive. It's 30 at the time. It was 35,000 a year. And now it's probably 50 or something. I don't really know. And my other daughter was already in college, but she opted for a state school because they had a certain program that she wanted. So I go home and thinking, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Um, but I'm saying prayers to St. Jude and I'm at my desk when the, oh no, no, I'm skipping ahead. I'm in Chicago and uh, Leo Burnett, the advertising agency. So I'm still in the agent mode before I switched over to full-time astrology, which was in the day before um, 2001. I was doing my website since 1995, but I was still working as an agent during the day. When you, when you want to change careers, you still have to find a way to bring in money. So I worked at night and in the day, you know, at night on the website. Now, Susan, so, Susan, educate us when you pray to saint jude isn't saint jude the patron saint of hopeless causes so weren't you yes a very difficult so everyone's like hey who's the who's the astrological forecaster praying to oh she's praying to saint jude so obviously he's a, he's a good guy if you're in a real dire fix to yeah. help you yeah so i um i'm at this this uh this event on the American woman. And they have me on the panel. There's all these different people on the dais. But since I get so many letters from readers, although I have 39% male readers, they knew that, but they, they were focusing on my female readers. You know, what does the American woman want? That was the theme of the whole event. And we had broken for tea you know, I seem to have a lot of tea around me. <laughs> you do. So, oh, and, and Sue, Sue, can I make a little prediction? 
the American woman wants a guy with six figures. He's got to be <laughs> six foot tall, dark and handsome. And there's another six in there, but we'll leave that out for a different show. Anyway, <laughs> Sue, what were you predicting that women would want? Well, no, it wasn't about that. I just told them about the letters that I was getting and, you know, things that were on their mind. I don't remember anymore, but we had broken for tea and little pastries when my beeper went off <laughs> and I had been talking to two women and I said, Oh, I'm sorry. I have to go to the phone. And, and they showed me where the house phone was and the operator put me through and it was my little one, Diana. I got into Boston College and they had lost the paperwork and the school had to intervene because she was frantic. This is my favorite school. So I said, oh, okay. She said, we have to send $500 immediately to, to reserve the spot. I said, no problem. Um, here's my credit card number. We have to do it right away. She said, but you're going to be getting the bill soon. Like, oh, okay. So I walked back to these two women who work for a big corporation. And they said, was that bad news? I said, oh, that? Oh, no, no, it was, it was good news. But my daughter got into the college, but um, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for it. And I told her I, I just had to think. And they said, we think you should say yes. I said, do you, you really think so? We think you should call her back and say yes. And I'm wondering, are they speaking to me in code? I mean, really? Um, you think so? Yes. So I go back and I said, Diana, I thought about it enough. It was like 10 minutes later. We're going to do it. Great. And I'm thinking, why are they so sure? I can't really ask them if they're going to give me business. I, it, that wouldn't be right. But they were so sure I should say yes. So then the bell rings. We have to go back on the panel. And I fly back to New York the next day. And I go, um, I, I'm home. And I'm, I always worked out of my house. And the phone rings and it's Leo Burnett. And they said, uh, such and such client wants you to write a book for them. I said, really? Like, what kind of book? Well, it's more of a book of days like where the, the consumer can write what's important, almost like a calendar, but it's a little book. And you're going to have, you know, some of the signs and, you know, you're going to have material in there. I said, wow, that's really nice. They said, how much do you want? I said, I have to think of a fair price. How many are you publishing? And I don't remember what she said. I said, let me just think about it for a week. And now I'm like, whoa. I go down to the mailbox and there's the bill for $35,000. And I'm like, oh God. So I come back upstairs. This is the next day. The phone rings again. We can't wait a week. We have to know now. And I look at the bill. I'm literally holding the bill. And I said, how about $35,000? And the art buyer says, oh, it's more than we thought, but I'll approve it. And I knew like I knew my name, this client, which those two women were the client, would stay with me for four years. And then there would be a change in direction. So I wrote four books for this company. And that's how I paid Diana's tuition. That's a beautiful Of course, I had to pay tax on it. But there was more to it. 
I said to them, when does this book come out? They said, oh, we didn't tell you, you know, as I'm working on the first one, you know, I said, when, when are you publishing it? Oh, we didn't tell you it, it's November 12th. That was my father's birthday. He left his signature. Wow. Me. Susan, that is a beautiful <laughs> story. I, I, would, I, I would have I, I, it was a miracle. And you know, people think there are no miracles in this world. There are miracles all the time. You should look at your life and you see that there are many miracles that got you to where you are today. So what if I told you that those two girls that told you to say yes? We're actually working behind the scenes with Boston College in an effort to seduce you and and departing with your money. Would there be a chance? No, no. Boston College is in Boston. This was in Chicago where I was on the panel. They didn't know anybody there and they were women and, and no, they were big executives in their company. No, it uh, it was really it was truly a miracle. I I. I still had to pay tax on that money, but compared to trying to come up with it all would have been overwhelming. And I, um, and I kept Chrissy in college. And it was funny when, when Chrissy was getting ready to graduate, I said, you wanted to major in film. And I said, no, you should major in liberal arts. I won't pay for film school, but I will pay for graduate school in film. You need to be educated first so that you have something to put into your film. So she majored in sociology and she was about to graduate. I said, do you want to go to graduate school? She said, are you crazy, mommy? I said, well, actually, Boston College gives me a little break if I have two kids in college at the same time. So I worked out the math and it wouldn't cost me any extra if you go to college, you know, go to graduate school. So she did. She made her film. Today, she works for Warby Parker and, and is involved in all their events, but also the look of their ads. And Diana is a, a music producer for James Corden and has won five Emmys in Los Angeles. They, so, sound, uh, they, they both sound like excellent girls. So, Sue, <laughs> let, let, me ask, let me ask you a question. If I'm a student and I take out a student loan, right? And let's say it ends up costing me, a, I, take it, I end up taking out a fifty or $60,000 loan, right? Yeah, they that, took out loans, which I paid. Yeah. Right, that loan ends up following me my whole life till I pay it off. But if mom or dad pays for the college, how come the kids don't have to take out a loan with their parents and pay them back? Did they tell me those girls gave back to you, Susan, and paid those bills back? No? Well- the income I was getting helped me pay it back. I paid all their student loans because my father paid mine and my sister's and I felt I should play it, it forward. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful and sentiment. I lo- it took I lo- seven I lo- years, <laughs> but I did it. Anything that- I put my mind to, I usually accomplish. So let me ask you this. When people come to you, a lot of times they're looking for an answer at the end of a path before they even start walking that path. Let's be honest, right? I want to know if this job is the right job for me. I want to know if this lottery ticket is worth buying, right? They ask you all these questions. Well, they don't ask me about lottery tickets. Right. But they they probably ask you a lot when it comes to career or or relationship advice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's be real. If they were willing to put energy and effort 
can't they truly become anything they want to be? And even in relationships, if people would quit thinking about me, 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 and think more about we or us, wouldn't more relationships be successful as well? Well, relationships, there's something going on in society. Girls are being much, and I think it was fueled by the dating app, apps and um, online where you knew everything about the person, how much they made, what their title was, where they live, uh, where they went to college. You know, it, it's like a resume. It's, it's like looking for a job. And the fun of falling in love and is learning about someone and, and finding someone that you never thought you'd fall in love with, you know, that isn't usually your type. And um, I think the dating sites are actually working against love by giving a full dossier, you know, and women want, okay, he has to make a certain amount. I'm horrified by, I had one girl say to me, well, I'm getting through law school. I'm going to have my practice and then we're saving for a house. And when I'm 37, we're going to have a child. I said, you don't know if you'll be able to conceive at 37. You're telling me that you're willing to give up your firstborn for your job. She said, no, I never said that. I said, you kind of did because childbearing is for young women. And I don't know, parents are not being practical with kids anymore. I said, you have to be realistic. You can still save for the house while you have the baby, you know, but don't wait too long because you should see my mail. Women are waiting too long. And then they're into IVF, $25,000 each time they have a procedure and you can't deduct it. It's very expensive. So, uh, you know, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm very practical East Coast, you know, like you are. <laughs> so, so, Susan, let me ask you this. My daughter comes up to me. She's 26. And I say, just wait just one or two more decades. That's too long. If, if I say just one or two more decades, because that doesn't. Well, she at uh, one goes decade like that. is about it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but I got married really early. I was 24, um, and I had both my children by the time I was 29. Um, but childbearing is for a younger woman. It is. It's uh, Your body is in perfect shape for it. And you also don't want to be running after a toddler when you're 47. You know, I feel like, <laughs> you know, you want, to, you want to have your children early. And they're not being realistic. When women got all their rights and, and we can vote <laughs> and we, we can go to college and we can get great degrees and we can go in the boardroom. They forgot about the softer side of life, the rich side of having a family and love and, and that part. They didn't put any energy into that and then they find it missing, you know, so... Sue, I agree with you totally. So let me ask you this. Can you and I both agree that if we take away women's rights to vote, take away their the right to get employment and go to college, that maybe things will be good again? Can yeah, we get it will be. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding there. You're so I, funny. <laughs> I, love, I love that women are, are willing to pay some of the rent now. I love that. No. Yes, so, yes. Uh, so, 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 Susan, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. Did you have fun being on Jesse Jameson and Friends? I had the most fun and nobody asked me questions like you did. You I, are I try, I try to come up I try to come up with goofy ones. So uh, yes. Sue, 
can we can you promise to come back on in the future to share more stories? Yes. And maybe I'll even see you in person when we're allowed to travel. Philadelphia is really close to New York. I'm in Phoenix. <laughs> oh, you're in Phoenix. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were my you number. Were I thought you were my number one fan, Susan. Oh wow! Oh my yeah. goodness! I have to start watching because I love stories. Yeah, a friend in Philadelphia recommended me to you, and I love her, and that's why I got in touch with you. I love um, I love Juna too. So listen, we're gonna uh, we're gonna be gone here in five seconds. So I just okay. want to I just want to tell everybody uh, join us again next week for Jesse Jameson, friends. Say goodbye, Susan. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved. 